Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome, everybody, to the latest episode of The Geek Buddies! Hey! <laughs> well, we're all back together again this week to talk about so many geek news items. And also, we got, we're, you know, we usually have a main topic that we talk about uh, the last part of the show, but we've actually got two main topics that we're going to dive into because we felt like neither one could kind of consume the amount of time that we normally do for those main topics. So, Watch, so listen for that a little bit later, uh, but first, let's get to introducing ourselves. I am John Roke. I'm a writer, producer, and host over at Collider Video, also the co-host of the Top 10 and the Cinephiles. This is Michael Vogel. I'm a writer, producer of animated TV shows and film, and I am drinking a lovely, refreshing bottle of strawberry-flavored Perrier. Ooh, Nice. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Silicon Valley, 911. And this January, you're going to get to see me in the thing that I shot last week, which is why I was not a part of that, that podcast. Right, that episode, yeah. We missed you, but we got we into did. some good fights. We did. I, 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 I listened. I don't feel like John ran circles around me. <laughs> I, but, uh, but I know John well enough to know that any amount of uh, arguing is not going to change his opinion when he's made agree. his mind up on something. Well, no, but agree I to disagree. Agree to disagree. <laughs> agree to disagree. I agree that you, I didn't run circles around you. I, he, this is a narrative he created, and and then and then um, you know his belief that he beat me on both those subjects. People were quite clearly on my side. I will, I will say, I, I did listen to. I listen. Ooh. I like to listen to our to our recordings as That's I walk good. my dog afterwards, as, as Bosco and I roam West Hollywood. <laughs> uh, and I will say, oh. I, I think that I did not fully land the Transformers argument. I don't think that I fully beat you, but I did win the Justice League argument. That's where I, I feel like I I feel like I took the upper hand in the Justice League. I feel like maybe you. Snatched victory from my claws in the Transformers. Yep, I'm glad this is recorded. I'm, this is the first time. I mean, I think I'm still right. I think well, of I course just you didn't did. land my case. Well, that's how, well, sometimes that's how it goes. That's how it goes when you're in front of the judge. Um, I will. I will say this: we had a good time though doing that. That was a lot of fun. But we, we did, did miss, miss you, sure. And we were, but we were glad that you were gone on this mysterious. Yeah. NBC show. Yes. And it doesn't. Okay. So, you know, I, I listened to the podcast the very next day. And when Vogel <laughs> said that I, I texted saying, don't say the name of the show. It was not me. It's not me. It's, it's when you sign the contract way back when with social media, little details of shows like secretive shows. Sure. Details would get leaked. So now just across the board, uh, they just say, just don't post it. Who typed the text? Yeah, I typed the text, I, then, and, and I it wasn't. You told us I wasn't yeah, angry, I, and it was. It was I a, was just. I was trying to remind. Listen, you. I'm I not. Was, I know. I know how the industry works, Shannon. <laughs> oh my! I know. Oh sweet! Jesus. I was upset that you didn't trust your buddies. That's fair to, sh- to keep buddies. your secret. Yeah. It was a just in case, like, hey, I don't know if you guys have recorded yet, but uh, don't say the name of the show. I think what it was is that Shannon hadn't booked for quite some time, and so he finally got a job, and he was like, he was all over the place, and maybe tripped over himself a little bit, doing a little too extra much, because he'd forgotten that we have been there before uh, with Shannon, that we don't have to talk about the show that he books, because we know it's not, you know, it's not, it's not done. I don't. I don't think I did extra. I think I was just just in ca- just in case. Just in case. It feels like you didn't trust us, and uh, like as if we weren't there when you book things before. So, but that's okay. That happens with your buddies sometimes. This is this is disappointing. <laughs> well, you mentioned Silicon Valley. I am currently fresh off a fantastic interview with Amanda Crew today uh, at Collider. Really? Yeah, able to get her in. We talked for like four, maybe about an hour about um, her work as an actor. Actress, 
uh, Silicon Valley stuff because it's final season and also um, her new film that's coming out, this weird horror thriller that she's got called Tone Deaf with her and uh, Robert Patrick, Mr. T-1000 there. Ooh. So fun conversation, really awesome lady. Nice. And uh, we, you know, she's been on this kind of personal journey or progress or like exploration. Uh, and it was so much fun to get her to open up and talk about that and what that's like for her and her as an actress and what she's going through and what she like is trying to discover. So that's that's on my other podcast, The Deep Cut. But I know that you had worked with Amanda on Silicon Valley. I, uh, you I was spoke not highly the, of her. I was yeah. I, mean, I only met her. I wasn't in, right, in, right, in right. any scenes with her, but she was certainly very very friendly. I mean, the, yeah. enti- the entire group, uh, the entire group was was great. That's they, awesome. They were all super nice, much like the group that I just worked with last week. Oh, they were all oh, super super oh, nice wow. on the show that shall not be named. Right. <laughs> all right, we can't mention the well, show. Hey, here's to many more shows that cannot be named, sir. Hey, yeah. hey, hey, I, I wish it. you the best. <laughs> wish you the best. Precincts or not. Um. So what? Uh. What? Let's get into uh, you guys. If you guys are first time listeners, uh, you all know. You all don't know how this works, but those who are uh, listeners who've uh, been with us for a while, you understand. We don't. We jump into geek news items. Each one of us has a geek news item we want to talk about. Could be from anything happening in the world of entertainment, and uh, we discuss it here on the show before we get into our main news topic. So who wants to go first? Yeah, I'll go ahead and start. Okay. Off, right. Oh, oh. oh, no, I think we're starting off with Michael, yeah. Oh, okay, well, sorry. Wow, sorry. You, at first you don't trust me. Sorry, I forgot. Then you I, step wow. all over my geek news. Wow. <laughs> oh, one week gone and look at him. I've I know, forgotten anxious. so much. Hold on, I'm getting a call from my agent. Oh. Just, just oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, my geek news item of the week is, uh, you know, we usually we talk, we, we, we focus primarily on movies and TV because we're yes. super pop culture nerds and love all that. But uh, definitely still love comics and some pretty big news in comics in the past week. Yeah. Uh, Marvel has sort of relaunched X-Men again for like the umpteen thousandth time <laughs> uh, with a creative team of uh, Jonathan Hickman writing. Uh, and it's two different books. It's House of X and Power of X. Uh, and so Jonathan Hickman writing both. And then uh, Pepe Larraz, Arbe Silva, Arby Silva, and uh, Marte Gracia doing the art. And... It has like shook the X Men fan community. Like they, it is. Can it, they still? Do, can you still shake the X Men fan? Community? So here's the thing. Here's the thing that everybody's saying, and I would agree. I read these things. I was like, I was curious. I was like, okay, because you know, like like most X Men fans, I think X Men is one of those things that we all love the X Men in theory, right, right, right. And you'll kind of find a place where X Men comics get really good, and you jump on. Whether that's if you're old school, it's your Dark Phoenix saga. Sure. Uh, when Bendis took over a few years back and brought the young X Men forward in time, like there's always little moments where X Men gets really good, and then it gets mired down in all of the crazy continuity and ridiculousness of the X Men universe. Yes. And you go away for a while, and then you come back in. Um, this new arc has in a in a comic book franchise that constantly is just doing bananas crazy shit. Uh-huh. This might be the most bananas crazy shit that has wow. happened. Can you speak That's, more about it? I can. I, so it's a little spoilery, so if you don't want to know anything, but this is literally just the first couple of issues of House, okay. House of uh, X and uh, Power of X. So uh, X-Men fans, particularly old school X-Men, probably know Moira McTaggart. Yeah, of course. Uh, she's a human friend of the X-Men. Former uh, wife of Banshee? Former... Uh, is that wrong? Do I have that related wrong? Related to Banshee. Related to Banshee? Okay. Um, so, in this new arc, they kind of hit the ground running, and it's very confusing. All of the X-Men, good, bad, mutants, uh, you know, Magneto, Mystique, everybody, they're all working together. It's very confusing. You don't know what happens. And what you come to find out is that Moira McTaggart is a mutant. Oh. And her mutant ability is the ability to reincarnate and remember everything from her previous life. And so she has been going through different realities, going over and over and over in time, mm. and trying to change things throughout history, and finally got something that was right, and all everything you know about the X-Men have changed. Wow. Everything you've ever known about the X-Men is no longer the same. It is highly confusing. Okay. It is uh, going through four different timelines, X-Men Year One, X-Men Year 10, X-Men Year 100, and X-Men Year 1000. Whoa, there have been X-Men for a thousand years? In some form or another. I'm not going to wow. say what, but... It is a it is a mind bending, bananas, confusing, and ridiculously satisfying jumping off point into a whole new arc for the X Men. Uh, amazing artwork, amazing story. I I don't want to say too much beyond that. I mean, the Moira McTaggart of it all is sort of the second issue of um, of of um, 
I think it's House of X, okay. where they kind of go through this whole thing where you reveal like that this is why the reality of the X Men is so different because X Men who are no longer with us are all of a sudden with us. X Men are just very different. Like it's very confusing. It's yeah. very strange, but it's really, really, really cool. Mm-hmm. It is cool in its audacity. Right. It is cool in its balls to the wall. Like give no fucks. Like this is like epic science fiction. Try and keep up with us. There is so much going on. Uh, and it's one of those great moments of comic books where you're reading something and you're like, I have no idea what's going to happen next, but I'm on board. Fascinating. Wow. And is this dividing the fans or the fans pretty much uh, enjoying it? Thus far, everyone seems to be really enjoying it. Mm. Uh, the general buzz on the internet is, holy shit, the X-Men can't get any crazier, and they did, but everyone is really excited by this. There's a lot of mysteries already. Okay. They sort of tracked through... Um, Moira has a limited number of lives that she can go through over and over again. And in the comic where it reveals this, they kind of reveal most of the realities that she went through where she Mm. tried to do this with the X-Men and it didn't work. And she tried to do this and went to Magneto and it didn't work. And she went to this person and it didn't work. And they've left her a couple, uh, one or two of the timelines, kind of a mystery. So we don't quite know what's going on. And it is very, very... uh, as I'm explaining it, I'm sure if you don't read comics, you don't even know what the hell I'm talking about right now. It's no, very like confusing, it. but uh, everybody should check it out. It's only four issues in between the two comics. There's two issues of Power of X. There's two issues of House of X. It's a great time to jump onto the X-Men because you'll be confused. But hey, the rest of us are too. It's yeah. bananas. So is check she, it out. Is she the one with the X helmet? Like I've seen like uh, uh, panels of a new character has like an X helmet. No, that's Professor X. That's Professor X? Yeah. Oh. Just has some feminine qualities. That's okay. <laughs> He's a trim guy. That's okay. <laughs> He's a trim guy. Look, it's a gender neutral society, man. I'm cool. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't. I don't judge. Uh, Professor X, be Professor Y. I'm good. Wow. X Y. <laughs> wow. Thank you. That was. That was uh, a, thank you. That was John, well done. John was fist pumping in the air just now. <laughs> I nailed it. I nailed it. Uh, cool. Well, I look forward to it because I always love when they do these. Like House of M was so fantastic, and and Apocalypse was that whole Age of Apocalypse or whatever it was oh, called. Yeah. Those are the, the, the X Men when they get on these great runs. They're so worth uh, uh, reading because there's that's such a rich. Uh, array of characters that you have in an X in the X Men universe, and so it's fun to see them be kind of messed around with. And if someone, and especially in the right hands, it can be a lot of fun. Yeah, the thing that's great about this is because you have all these sort of different, uh, either they're different timelines, different er- eras, different whatever it is will be revealed. Yeah, there's a lot of room for a lot of characters. So if whatever okay. your favorite era of X Men is, whatever your favorite characters in the X Men are, chances are they're showing up. Ooh. You know, from the biggest runs, you mentioned Apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people love Grant Morrison's run. A right. lot of people love, you know, like the different eras that you love of the X-Men. Everything is sort of represented. Mm. Uh, and so it looks like it's going to be a wild ride, fellas. I imagine a Apoc- wild ride. <laughs> I imagine Apocalypse would have something to do with this, too, as, as far back as I can goes. already tell you that the answer is yes to that. There we go. All right. <laughs> the answer is a resounding Affirmative. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll look for that. And if you're uh, if you're a combo collector and you haven't heard of that yet, you should definitely jump on that. Um, what's next? Am I am I allowed to go now? Oh, uh, I've, I've forgotten how this goes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. shots fired. So here on the Geek Buddies, we always like to see uh, exciting exciting new actors uh, come onto the scene. And there's an actor named Henry Golden who is having the, I imagine, what must be the, most, the greatest two years of his life. Um, he first yeah. popped up. He, he's a Malaysian actor. He's also a model and a host. Yes. Um, he popped up in American cinemas, uh, or in American theaters, in Crazy Rich Asians. He was, mm-hmm. the, he was the male lead. He then went on to be in this film, A Simple Favor, that was directed by Paul Feig and had Anna Kendrick and uh, Blake Lively, which is a great, which is a great movie. I have not seen this. Movie. Really? That is a blast. Okay, it's really, on Amazon really Prime, good. I think. So it, I, it, I is a, it, it is It is a... Crazy fun movie to watch. Okay. I have never been a fan of Blake Lively. She is awesome in this movie. Really? And like okay. what a return to form for Paul Feig as well after after Ghostbusters. Like I know a lot of people mm. were not happy with that movie. This but uh, a simple favor is great. Okay. So uh just I think it was today or yesterday the trailer for a film called Last Christmas starring Amelia Clark yeah. and Emma Thompson, which it looks like Amelia Clark uh, sort of like a bad Santa. That's, yeah. that's and Emma Thompson wrote it. Oh, did she really? And yeah. produced it. Yep. Oh, wow. Well, and Henry Golden 
Golding is uh, the male lead in that. Yeah. So and and you would think it would stop there, but no, he was just announced today in the Hollywood Reporter. He is going to be starring in the Snake Eyes uh, spinoff film from the GI Joe universe. <sighs> and, uh, it's a good time to be Golding. Um, ah. Hey, uh, <laughs> what? Okay, so let's let's start with the Snake Eyes thing first. Yeah, I imagine that hits all our geek buttons uh, at the same time. Last okay. Christmas, we'll get to, but like, so first of all. And I talked about this today on Movie Talk, so I'm wondering, he's not typically Asian, Snake Eyes. Like, it's, you're not, you don't know if he's Asian or not. Of course, there's Asian connections, but it doesn't mean if he's, he doesn't, you don't necessarily know if he's Asian. Yeah, that, that is one thing. Mm. The other thing is, as far as I know, traditionally, yeah. Snake Eyes does not talk, and very rarely do we see him outside of his mask. So, yeah. casting a... Very good actor who also happens to be ridiculously attractive as Snake Eyes. I'm just curious as to where this Snake Eyes movie is going to go. Yeah, I mean, they talk about, like, I think the brief synopsis was he's supposed to be getting some sort of vengeance for his father. Yes. And it's like, okay, so if you do it pre pre the scarring or pre the mask, it's like, well, why even call it Snake Eyes? Well, maybe that's the way to get around it, Shannon. I think it's it's a good, interesting point. Like, if it's a prequel to the creation of Snake Eyes, an origin story... Then we will get to see him without his mask and all that kind of jazz before the burn. But the thing is, this is such an odd spinoff, isn't it? Like, you can't get the first two, two G.I. Joe movies right, uh, regardless of what Kalinowski says. And you and you and you and then you spin it off into Snake Eyes, which is uh, arguably the most iconic character in the G.I. Joe. He's by universe. far the most iconic and popular right? character right? in G.I. Joe. And, and this is a character that's not that well known, doesn't speak, is behind the mask all the time, but has great a great villain in Storm Shadow. The you know Timber the Wolf and then also the relationship with Scarlet. So there, there's there's a lot here to explore. But Michael, you bring up a great point. Why put a good looking dude behind a mask? I think it just speaks to the fact that um, I don't I don't know that uh, Hasbro fully has a grasp on what they're doing with GI Joe. You can say that legally. I'm I'm, I'm treading carefully. <laughs> uh, I. I I don't know that they fully uh, have a full game plan, and maybe they do. Okay, um, but I think that it just it just seems like a hey, here's this super popular character that we have, and the GI Joe movies thus far haven't quite worked for us, and we're not quite sure what to do. So let's make a movie about Snake Eyes. Mm. And okay. I I will say I think all I'll say on the matter is. Um, I think it's great that he got cast in the role. I'm very happy for him. We will see if this movie sees the light of day. Well, I mean, I believe the release date is supposed to be October of 2020. That's insane. So that's, I mean, if if this gets going, I mean, it's going to have to hit the ground running. I'm sorry. Did you say October of 2020? <laughs> I'm going to go. I'm going to go to the internet. I'm pretty sure I'm right. Yeah. But I, but I wanna I wanna make sure. It sounds like you're right. That's, that's, that you have to essentially make a Logan movie if you're going to do it by 2020 in October of 2020, because that's that's just a little bit over a year. If you're going to do it, uh, this this particular site says the mm-hmm. film the film is currently scheduled to hit theaters in 2020, and, and the I, director is not a person of that much note. Well, and the director did R.I.P.D. with uh, Ryan Reynolds and <laughs> which great idea based based off a comic. Yeah, great idea. The the execution maybe. It didn't stick the landing, and he also directed the first Red with Bruce Willis. Which oh, I right. actually thought the first one was pretty good. Yeah, um, the second one not so much, but he didn't direct the second. Right, one. right, right. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be interesting because ultimately, yeah, like how are you going to have a lead with you don't show your face? Well, what do you I, think? I mean, you're. I, you, go ahead. I would imagine. I would imagine that's kind of what you're saying. It it sounds like this will be sort of a. Snake Eyes origin story, or yeah. we get a f- deeper dive into Snake Eyes, and therefore we will see his face or he will speak, which I would argue might not be what G.I. Joe fans who love Snake Eyes necessarily want to see. Mm-hmm. So I do think it's it sounds... It sounds... Uh, <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Uh, if you all could see how red-faced he is right now, trying not to cross any... Step on any minds in this mind. The mental mind. The mental yeah. mind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it... It sounds like uh, a movie with sort of um, this this kind of production schedule uh, probably sounds like it will be problematic. It doesn't sound that surprising to me, and I would be surprised if we see it in October of 2020. <laughs> How's that? Very well said. Very well said. Very How's good. that? 
Do they have this? And this would be a third strike with the G.I. Joe. I mean, if they don't land that, stick the landing. The first G.I. Joe movie is a complete and utter disaster. Yes. The second G.I. Joe movie did better than the first one and has a couple things going for it that are mm. decent. Okay. Uh, and I'm not saying I enjoy the G.I. Joe movies at all, but I think that. I think The Rock is charming. I think some of the Snake sure. Eyes battles are the Snake Eyes Storm Shadow battles are are compelling. I think there was more good. It still kind of was a bit of a mess. Yeah. They definitely had a better cast. Like I think Adrian Palicki is a really good actress. Yep. I think she did a great job sure. as Scarlet. Sure. Um but yeah, I think in general, um, you know, Johnny and I had a, a lovely, a lovely, uh, lighthearted discussion about Transformers last week. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and you know, and when you if you're a a, a fan of the 80s cartoons and you grew up in that era, Transformers and G.I. Joe are two of the best things that Hasbro has going for them. And I just don't know that saying that you're going to do a Snake Eyes standalone movie after the two G.I. Joe movies you have mm-hmm. necessarily speaks to a bigger strategy where you are moving boldly forward with your G.I. Joe franchise. Well, do you think the G.I. Joe franchise is is it too problematic of a property? Like the initial, when the first one came out, like they changed the acronym to the globally integrated joint operations entity because the perception of the U S military was not that great at the time. Mm. And to sell the film internationally, it's like, we have to bring everybody into this. What is it? Global international? globally, globally integrated joint operations entity. Interesting. Yeah, they had to do some backflips to find that one. <laughs> well, uh, well I don't, I don't, yeah, I, I can tell you that the answer to that is that is absolutely what they think the the thinking is that gi joe is outdated that you can't have a show that is where the heroes are all military etc etc but i think that my my um well i can say my argument to this because this was my argument to this when i was there i think the way that marvel went boldly forward with captain america when people were saying the same thing about him um and made captain america work a thousand percent is what should happen and is also what will not happen. Right. Like, I think that you are correct that the thinking behind the scenes is um, we can't turn our these military characters into heroes internationally because of America's reputation. Right. Um, and I think that there's, I, I, to be fair, I, I think there is some validity and truth to that. But I think that sometimes you've just got to double down and go for it and figure out how to make that work. And I think yeah. that that is not at the forefront of their strategy with G.I. Joe. You asked that question, Shannon. I don't think anything's problematic if it's in the right hands. You know, the, time has proven and history has proven in films, like, if you put the property in the right hand, look, it could you could argue it is problematic as a novel, like trying to translate in, that into a film. And yes, that TV movie some people liked, I thought it was shit. But like you see what Muschietti did with it on film, and you're like, wow, okay, this is the way in. Now we'll see what happens in the sequel because it's two hours and forty five minutes. Ooh. Yeah, we're we've got a screening of it next Tuesday night, and so it's like, oh man, are you, uh, are you ready? I don't know if I'm ready. To be honest <laughs> with you. And the fact that I'm not going with my friends is driving me nuts because we're not allowed any plus ones. Um, but like this this situation here, I'm always like, well, if you give it, like, if we gave. G.I. Joe to the Russo brothers, would you think it was problematic? No. Probably not. You'd go, okay, they have a track record, they can get this thing done. But I want to ask you, Shannon, you're, you know, you're, you're pitching stuff around town, you're developing stuff in your, your stories and things. Do you think this is the right move by them? Because it seems so out of the blue. Uh, in my opinion, I think they recognize the value G.I. Joe has as a brand, um, but because they have had two strikes that they're like, you know what, we want to kind of reduce this to something a little more simple and taking a character who is probably visually the most iconic character that they have yeah. and the least military and the least military i mean they're leaning into the whole ninja storyline that whole i mean it's a I'm sure it's definitely safer territory to tread yeah. yeah but i mean they're taking a character who is a great i mean he, he's a great sixth man like i don't know if you can really do a, a good snake eyes story i mean unless I don't know. Do do we want to see a prequel? Do we want to see where Snake Eyes came from? It's, I think part of the thing was interesting because yeah. he, he was mysterious. Yeah, that's a great. We didn't point. know anything about him. Yeah, the mystery of him is is really what sells him, right? And you do hear stuff in the backstory of like you know how his face was burnt and um, the uh, you know the, the stuff with Storm Shadow and Storm Shadow's master and all that. So you know a little bit of something here, but that's what makes Snake Eyes so great is that you don't know yeah. what he's like. So. 
Uh, let's, well, well, we'll see. We will see. Yeah. Or we won't if the movie doesn't come out. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to the other Henry Golding story. And that's last, last Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. Guys, I love a Christmas movie. <laughs> Christmas Lord. movies are my kryptonite. We sure know that. And uh, I'm in Hook, Line, and Sinker. Yeah. Uh, there was George Michael music. It was the mother of dragons who for six seasons did me right and for two seasons... She didn't do you wrong. She didn't the writers. It. it wasn't she, her doing I don't blame. I don't blame her. She, she was right. the messenger. Yeah. Uh, I was with her. Hey, she read that. She read that final script and she cried. I was right there with her. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, this this looks super fun. What is the deal? So like, so yeah, like you were saying, she's a. Yeah. She's sort of a. Uh, she she's she's dresses in an elf. She works in a Christmas shop mm-hmm. that Michelle Yeoh run, runs. Right, yeah. right, right. And uh, she kind of has a bad attitude. She meets Henry Golding. He's charming. There's a romance there. And it seems to be implied that he might not be of this earth. Yeah. I mean, there's clues throughout the trailer that... And by the way, I love the trailer. And I did not want to like this. I don't like when she does these rom-coms. I think Amelia can do more dramatic stuff. But but I think she... I, I, was, I, I disagree with you in that I... Oh, okay. Or maybe I, maybe I agree with you, but like... I'm so used to her seeing dramatic stuff, and I think she does pretty mm. dramatic things. And I think seeing her rom com it up and kind of be funny and whatever, like I was, I enjoyed seeing her like this side of her. Yeah, and that's a good. But what's interesting about her is that she chooses these unusual rom coms. Like Me Before You was about uh, suicide, so you're like, holy shit, or cancer, whatever it was. That something. was where she was like the nurse. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. about suicide, and you're like, holy shit. And but this one. There's a very it a lot already overnight. People were like writing up their think pieces about this, saying that uh, Henry Golding seems to be an angel of some kind um, because she says in the trailer, "I can't. I, you're never around when I'm trying to find yeah. you, but you pop up uh, rather, and no one has an interaction with him. You pop up accidentally, and he says, not accidentally, right? Like there's some. It, it's it's heavily implied that there's some stuff going down." Uh, that is a little bit more mystical, magical, Yuletide, Christmassy. Uh, so hey, Emma Thompson, bring it on. Yeah, what'd you think? Yeah, I liked it. I liked it, and I like her. I mean, I, I with the exception probably because I didn't get all the way through Me Before You, and it wasn't because it wasn't I wasn't enjoying it. It was just I we watched it. I watched it with a, a lady, and I, and I got tired. Yeah. Um, but. The only time I've seen her in a performance where I did not care for her was Tim, uh, Terminator Genesis. Well, that's and fair. you know, I I would not lay that at her feet. Right. Um, I, I'm curious to see where where it's going to go. I mean, her dressed up as an elf. I mean, I like good Christmas physical comedy. Yeah. Well, the thing is that uh, from the trailer, this is my theory: is that she, because if you see when she's being wheeled into the hospital room, she's got dark brown hair, but throughout the trailer, she has the light, the blonde hair, the dirty blonde hair, and she, it, Henry Golding is almost seen in the same outfit the whole time. She's seen in the same outfit for a lot of the time. So is Michelle Yeoh. So the possibility here is that this is all in her mind. Mm. And we just discover... And, but doesn't and, she say in the trailer to Henry Golding that she yeah. was sick a long time ago and right. that's why she is... Because she's been in the coma for years. Yeah. So a long time ago. So maybe uh, she's still in the coma. I think Michelle Yeoh is God. I think Henry Golding is her guardian angel. I think this is their way of getting her back into her body, and then she has a new purpose to her life because of this disease or whatever, and she's like gone into You, you got a lot out of this trailer. <laughs> I I I was like I I love I watched this trailer and I was like, oh I love a Christmas movie, makes me happy, joy to the world, like man humanity is basically good. Ugh, Henry Golding is so handsome. Ugh, I love Emma Thompson. I love Michelle Yeoh. And you're over here like, listen, she was in a coma for 35 years. But she went into the coma on Christmas, and that is why she works in a Christmas shop. Michelle Yeoh is God. Don't tell the far right. They're going to get really mad that an Asian woman is God. Oh, my God. And an Asian man is her guardian angel. We were just warming up to the idea of Morgan Freeman being God. Yeah, right. <laughs> wait a minute. For that. Trump said he's going to wait on the China tariffs until December. <laughs> and this movie is coming out. What the fuck is going on? Whoop, 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 whoop. I'm over here like, last Christmas, I gave you my heart. This is the peril of doing the cinephiles. You find analysis even the damn trailers. Uh, but also, the, the issue here is, um, oh, the, the great thing, rather, is that the, a lot of the music in the film will be original George Michael music that, he, that was never released. 
So it is a George Michael, like that was their motivation to make this movie, to essentially use George Michael's uh, music as the soundtrack for a Christmas movie. So even though Last Christmas is technically wham. In my uh, wildest fantasies, I'm picturing a really ridiculous like Christmas party in yeah, London sure. where Emma Thompson and George Michael bump into each other like under the mistletoe and start talking and like just hatch this entire movie. I'd like Emma Thompson from this movie to run into Emma Thompson from Love Actually. I would at like the Christmas party. I would like Emma Thompson from this movie and Emma Thompson from Love Actually yeah. to run into Emma Thompson from Years and Years on HBO, <laughs> who is horrifying and scary, and I want to see that movie. That's a good triangle of terror. <laughs> uh, so we'll see what happens. It, it certainly looks like a lot of fun, and it's I don't know. Uh, it's we need a good Christmas movie, right? It's it's time. It's, I feel like it's been a minute. Yeah, it's, it's been right. a minute since we've had like a. Well, I think the best one that's come out in recent years that has risen up to be like my favorite, and we'll we'll probably do a big Christmas episode of this oh, of sure. Geek Buddies come December. But uh, the night before, oh, oh yeah, man. is that's is probably great. the best Christmas movie that has come out. That's the most recent best Christmas movie. Maybe since before. Love Actually. Would you argue maybe since? I love think Actually? for me. And we can talk about my love for Love Actually and my realization that Love Actually is highly problematic mm-hmm. around Christmas time because yeah. both of those things are true. But yeah, yeah. my lo- lo- I think after Love Actually, the night before is the next one that like instantly went to like Christmas classic status. I would for have me. to agree with that. I would have to agree with that. But I'm hoping Last Christmas gets up there. So yeah, fingers crossed, guys. Which was first, Elf or Love Actually? It was Love Actually, right? No, I think no, Elf, Elf was, was first. first. Elf was first. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Uh. Well, speaking of trailers, let's jump into the trailer that we talked about on our Geek Buddies uh, uh, social media, and uh, I, you know we tweeted about it. The I, Dolomite is my name. Oh my god! <laughs> Possibly the return of Eddie Murphy and Wesley Snipes. And Wesley Snipes. This was such a funny trailer and a surprisingly um, heartwarming trailer because it's a guy just trying to make his dreams come true, and he's late in life, and he's tried everything else. And then just in desperation, he gets inspired by seeing something in a movie theater and he understands he's got to create this character and he finds a way to fund this movie and make it happen. And it's a black, it's a real movie. Uh, and this guy, Rudy Ray Moore, really did exist. So this is a biopic technically. Wow. It looks amazing. Yeah. The cast looks amazing. And I didn't realize how much I missed seeing Eddie Murphy act. Yeah. Until I watched this trailer. Like for all we want to talk about how he's weird and what's happened to him in his life and he, you know what whatever's going on with Eddie Murphy like just seeing him be Eddie Murphy surrounded by a bunch of really comedic really great actors and actresses it just the trailer was a joy yeah and you know a lot of people talk about uh, you know with Disney Plus and Hulu and ESPN bundling for like twelve ninety nine and everything and all the, the streamers everyone talks about what's going to happen with Netflix what's going to happen with Netflix if Netflix is going to keep doing stuff like this yeah. Like they're gold. Like this is great. So I, uh, I mean, I can't wait to see this. I think one of the heartbreaking aspects of watching Eddie Murphy on Comedians and Cars because Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee is one of my favorite shows. That's what I yeah. watch with yep. breakfast every morning. Yeah. Um, Our longtime listeners know this about you, Shannon. We've discussed it. <laughs> I was I was left wanting at the end of that episode. Yes, because you just didn't get the sense that. He just wasn't get, he just wasn't giving very much. Yeah, forty five minutes, a uh, forty five minute episode, longest and, episode they'd done. Yeah, longest, and you're just sitting there going, "I when like this is great, but he didn't look like he was enjoying himself yeah. at all. He's just he's just doing it." And watching this trailer, you saw that light in his eyes, yeah. and I feel like we probably haven't seen since like the first Nutty Professor. Oh yeah, maybe that's a good point. Craig Brewer's directing this, who also directed Hustle and Flow, great and movie. Black Snake Moan. Uh, and he's apparently, oh. yeah, and he's apparently doing Coming to America too as well. So he'll be directing this Wesley Snipes in both of these movies because wow. Wesley Snipes. The rumor is that Wesley Snipes is a leader from a neighboring country of Zamunda, like a rival oh country. So Eddie versus Wesley in a comedy, well, and Wesley Woo. is looks Wesley Snipes looks great in this he trailer. Looks, I mean, like he's always he looks like he's having fun again. Yes. He looks like he's having fun again. Like it yes. was just it was every every person in this trailer looked like they were having an absolute joy. Yeah, and also I don't know if you guys heard about this. Did you hear about the Titus Burgess Andy Cohen uh, no. spat? Oh, a spat. Uh, Titus Burgess was on Andy Cohen's show. Titus Burgess from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah, who was also in the Dolomite trailer. Yep. yep. Uh, was on uh, Andy Cohen's show, 
and Andy Cohen asked him about working with Eddie Murphy on Dolomite mm. and asked Titus Burgess how it was working with Eddie Murphy, given that Eddie Murphy has said some pretty bad things in the past about the LGBTQ community. Oh, his old stand-up. His old stand-up, yeah, like yeah, Raw. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you have never seen Titus Burgess get so snippy so fast and kind of was like, uh, well, he didn't have a problem with me, so that's what I can tell you. Mm-hmm. And kind of got kind of shut it down a little bit, uh, and then subsequently went on to Instagram and basically called Andy Cohen out for being crappy and said, "Be like Anderson Cooper, do your job better." Uh, and basically said, "You don't know me, you don't know who I am, you don't know whatever." And and it really did seem like he was coming to the defense of Eddie Murphy yeah. a little bit. I uh, yeah. really did not want to go down that road. Um, and my point being, when you watch the trailer. Everybody really does look like they are having the yes. best time, yes. and it does seem as if, like you know, everybody really had a great time working with Eddie Murphy on this uh, film. So yeah. it everyone looked like they're having a blast. It's a hilarious trailer. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, Mike Epps, Craig Robinson, like you said, Titus Burgess, uh, and also um, I love that scene with the woman where she's like, "Thank you so much for putting." me on that screen because I've never seen a person like me represented up on that screen. So that's what I think. It's It looks like a wacky comedy in the vein of like Black Dynamite, mm-hmm. but it has this like real kind heart. of... Yeah, heart, heart underneath it that's going to... I think if they pull it off will be one of those films that you see as a smaller film that you go and enjoy and like, damn, more people need to see this thing. Yeah. And I hope it is. Yeah, I mean... I mean, between that and uh, what is the uh, De Niro, Scorsese, uh, Irishman. Oh, Irishman? I mean, Ooh, yeah. guys, Netflix is stacking it up. Like, yeah. I am, I'm, I'm on board. Their in terms of quality, their movies have been getting better and better. Um, yeah. What was the the one with? I, know, I feel like I talked about it. The one with Hillary Swank, the sci-fi one, Mother or something. Oh, was that good? That was okay. okay. It was okay. I heard it was pretty good. I, I I watched the trailer for it. Haven't watched it yet, so I was mm-hmm. I was wondering if I should check it out. Well, it, we'll, it was enjoyable. We'll be talking about a Hillary Swank movie in just a little bit. Yes, we first. Will. Well, that's our geek news items of the first. Week. That's our geek news items. <laughs> I like when you get a little bit ahead of yourself and then you pull back. And you go, "We're going to talk about that in a minute." But first, oh wait, that was the geek. Oh, okay, we're good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this one. T- tell tell me how else I should do this. Yeah, Mike. Tell me how else. <laughs> uh, by the way, if you can't take the heat, get out of your office. <laughs> oh, I can take the heat. <laughs> I'm Latino. I was born in the fire. Uh, all right, let's start off with the first, the oh, first uh, news item. Uh, well, not news item, but the first main topic we want to talk about. And look, we're at thirty six minutes, so it's interesting. Um, the it was uh, it th- this article came out in Variety uh, recently, oh, a couple of days ago, and it was talking about how Bob Iger has basically said that Fox underperformed in this last quarter, and uh, they've really like you know let us down with the profits. And he said that was he was angry about the fact that. Dark Phoenix and Stuber and another film didn't make the money that they, they thought racing it was Racing in gonna, the Rain. Duh. Yeah, yeah. Racing, All the art yeah. racing in the rain. <laughs> right. It's not going to make that money, blah, blah, blah. And he was – it. it I, I was really struck by this and a little pissed off to be honest because I felt like this is a – this is what happens in a takeover. When you take and you say we're not going to change much, blah 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 blah, then you sl- get into the positions of power, and then you create scenarios where the other people who have been there from the old company uh, are like not stepping up to the plate, so you can replace them with the people you were going to replace them with anyway, and you provide yourself some cover. And I feel like that's what Iger is saying here by saying all this stuff about oh, it's not making enough money, and you know Fox has really kind of let us down. He was blaming them without revealing the fact that they removed the entire marketing team for Dark Phoenix that knew the movie, understood the movie, would have been able to possibly market the movie. Would it have made money, as much money, or more money? Maybe. I don't know. But still, when you stack the deck against the films and then blame the films for not doing well, you're kind of like, you know, you're kind of being a little duplicitous. Yeah, you know, I, I, I agree with you to a point there because it's not like they didn't know what they were buying. Right. I mean, this wasn't a blind sale. Like, they... They got the books. They knew what was coming down, coming down the pipe. So to kind of throw them under the bus, I mean, they're basically using this as a justification. Like, all right, we're going to change your model. All of your old properties, we're going to reboot them all for Disney+. Plus. Like, do we want to see more Diary of a Wimpy Kid movies? I mean, do we, no. want, a, do we want them to reboot Home Alone and put it on Disney+. Plus? Uh, personally, right. I, I don't. But it, it, 
I, I don't think Dark Phoenix would have made more money because ultimately I don't think it was a very good movie. Yeah. But like Stuber, I went and saw that and to say like, oh, we're losing money because of Stuber, that movie couldn't have caused that much money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a, and, and, the, and he says further on like, oh, we've got Avatar coming. And it's, these are already established IP. So for you to slide in and take credit for already established IP because you're going to put your people in charge of it is a little shady. Mikey, as an executive. I mean, like, as an executive, like, here's, here's what happened. Disney has been just a powerhouse and been making money for their investors for years and years. Now, whether you agree or disagree with their strategy, because they don't take a lot of chances. I mean, basically, their model is right. we've got Disney feature animation, Pixar, Lucasfilm making Star Wars movies, mm-hmm. Marvel making Marvel movies, and Disney live action doing live action remakes of our other classics. I mean, that is their strategy. There's yeah. not a lot of, there's not a whole lot of original things, wholly original live action coming out of there. Like they've got their powerhouses and that's working for them. Yeah. They basically dominate the box office. Uh, they've got Disney Plus coming out. That's got people really excited. They bought Fox. They paid a ton of money for this. And to your point, Shannon, they totally knew what they were buying. And it's a worthy investment between the networks that they got, between the Simpsons, between Avatar, between some of the other IP they got. Like it is a valuable long term uh, acquisition. Right. In the short term, Dark Phoenix was a tank. Like it bombed. Stuber didn't do great. Art of Racing in the Rain. Eight million opening weekend or something. I mean, not not big at all. No. Now, so that brings the stock price down, and the investors who at Disney are not used to their stock price going down are like, "What the fuck?" And you have to say something. And in the long term, Disney is making a bajillion dollars, and their investors yeah. are making bajillions of dollars, and everyone's making bajillions of dollars, and nobody cares. But Bob Iger's got to get on there and say something. And the fact of the matter is, you can point to, you know, I think when in the Variety article that uh, you're speaking mm-hmm. about, Johnny, they like somebody said that if if Fox hadn't been bought by Disney and this had been their slate in the past year, people would have been fired anyway. Yeah, like you don't you don't have a slate like this, and you don't have that that many non-performing films, and it doesn't do well. So I think that it's valid for Bob Iger to point to that and say, hey, the stock price went down and he we bought all this stuff and none of these movies did good and we are going to make changes and that makes sense. I do think the one place where he was disingenuous and the article brings this up too is mm-hmm. the stock price also went down because attendance is down at Disneyland yeah. because they kind of messed up and overshot what they thought Star Wars was going to do. Right. Um, because they did so many blockout dates for annual pass holders, because they blocked off so many cast members going in, People aren't going to Disney right now because they don't think they're going to be able to do Star Wars. They don't think they're going to be able to do this. So that has also affected things. And he brushed over that and he was able to point to Fox a little bit. But at the end of the day, I don't think this is super horrible or super disingenuous. I think this is business and this is what you – like that. it is true that the acquisition of Fox in the short term has brought prices down. Mm. And it's also true that in the long term, they're going to more than make that money up. I also think in the long term, Fox is going to allow them to do – through the Fox arm of their um, film division, yeah, they will actually be able to do things that aren't in those pillars of Disney. So mm-hmm. if you're a fan, as we most of us are, of Disney feature animation, Pixar, uh, Marvel, Star Wars, and mixed bag on the live action stuff, yeah, I'm perfectly happy that that's their strategy and they're going to keep making stuff. And hopefully through Fox that will allow them to actually do some other more original things as well. Well, and certainly through Fox Searchlight. Well, and that's the next point, right? Because the article ends talking about Fox Searchlight because of Jojo Rabbit (laughs) and how one executive in the screening, and this is, of course, according to the Variety Report, uh, said halfway through one recent viewing of Jojo Rabbit, an executive grew audibly uncomfortable, worrying aloud that the material would alienate Disney fans. Uh, because the, the it's a scathing takedown of Nazism uh, that could prove a little too edgy for the Disney brass. I uh, hate those scathing takedowns of Nazis. <laughs> right? <laughs> Should really be kinder and gentler to them. But is this... just, just to be clear, just yeah. to be clear for anyone who doesn't know that Jojo Rabbit is the new Taika Waititi yes. movie that he wrote, directed, and acts in yeah. as a young Nazi's imaginary friend who is Hitler. Who is Adolf, yes. Who is Adolf Hitler. Yeah. Uh, and the trailer looks bananas. It looks funny as hell. But also, I think this is where that executive or that thinking is dumb. Um, if I went to go see Jojo Rabbit and it was the Disney logo opening of the castle, okay, fair. Right. But this isn't that. Like, 
it most either you understand how Hollywood works and you understand that Fox movies that are coming through Fox, even though Disney is the parent company, is different. Yeah. Or you don't understand how the Hollywood industry works and you go see a Fox Searchlight film and you don't know that it's a Disney film. Like I don't, I don't think that people are going to watch that movie and go, "This hurts the Disney brand." Right. Right. Any more than Miramax, which was also owned by Disney ultimately. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think Pulp Fiction ruined the Disney brand. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right, Shannon. Thanks for that sterling commentary. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. You, you both looked at me at the same time, yeah. and I was just nodding my head like, yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> Sounds good. He's, he's, uh, rusty. he's rusty. You don't think that with the – interesting question. I just want to bring it up to you before we jump over to the next thing because mm. I was thinking about it when you said it. You don't think that they should reboot Home Alone? I think in the in, in the the plan that they that that the article is speculating that they're going to do making it a Disney Plus movie. Mm. I wouldn't I wouldn't do that. Like Why if, not? Uh I I think it took Netflix a long time to get to the point where they're releasing good movies and I'm wondering if it's going to be that same sort of learning curve for Disney Plus. So you're saying you would prefer them to reboot Home Alone as a feature in theaters and you'd be okay with that i would be more okay with that than making it it's same for uh lady in the tramp but i hear rumors that that lady in the tramp is pretty good yeah that's the buzz on that lady in the tramp for disney plus the live action lady in the tramp is actually that it's a pretty good movie i don't want to see a reboot of home well here's the tired i I never was one of those people like stop uh, ruining my childhood i'm not one of those people but how how did you how did you say that You're ruining my childhood with all these remakes. But like to me, I was never one of those guys. I'm like, yeah, if you, you know, fine. But I think we've hit that critical mass point where if you're a fucking executive, do some fucking original work. Like I'm tired of seeing these people pad their bank accounts, their six-figure bank accounts by going, you know what? We should remake this. Give me my money. It feels like uh, what's his face from an elf when they're trying to do the book, and Peter Dinklage is coming in with the you know the soft tomato or the peach or whatever it is. It's like oh no one wants that, but it's actually what really what everybody wants. This is frustrating to me on so many levels because I, I want to see original work, and if Disney's going to say, well, we're making all this money because all we're doing is rehashing our animated shit into a quote unquote live action interpretations and going back and and just raiding the Fox. IP to redo these things, then there's nothing original happening. It's all safe bets to make money. Um, I think that there's validity to that. I think two things. I think well, one, I think one, um, how old were we when Home Alone came out? We were kids. It was 88, right? 88? Oh, yeah. I thought it was 91. No, no, no. It was like 91. It's not an 80s movie. It's a 90s movie. Okay. So we were 13. Yeah. So, I mean. Well, not all of us. <laughs> okay. I just think that, uh, it doesn't bother me to remake that movie for kids today. Right. Like that was a great – when we were kids, I remember going to see it in the movie theater and thinking it was the greatest thing I ever saw. And um, I know a lot of our friends who have kids have shown them Home Alone and they think it's hilarious. But I think it yeah. wouldn't, doesn't bo- – that's not one that really bothers me. Well, I'm like, yeah, okay, do, do yeah, your thing Yeah, but that's with just it. another drop in – I'm talking about – Big picture, I think you're right. I that's think that's frustrating. I think as long as we have an interesting mix. Like I don't think Disney – I mean we've talked about this before. Like – I don't think that Disney live action is making a lot of giant strides in anything original right mm, now. Yeah. But Disney animation and Pixar are doing a lot of original stuff. So there, there's a lot of originality coming out of there. Star Wars and Marvel are doing new stories, even if they're based on existing yeah, characters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then if, if they continue, and this is a big if, if they continue to let Fox make movies like Jojo Rabbit, yeah. Then okay, I'm good. Yeah, I'm cool. Yeah, I just don't understand what the name value is behind like let, let's make some more cheaper by the dozen movies. Like what's yeah. what's, what's the point of that? Like I don't think people it's, were clamoring for that the first time. No, and it's a safe. It, once again, it's a safe play for the families. Like this is something we can put out. The kids or the uh, family uh, parents might bring their kids to, and they can watch, and it's safe. You know, and don't forget, Iger was on Trump's council for quite some time. Before he pulled out. He wasn't on there for quite some time. He was on there for a hot minute and then dumped mm. out with everybody else. This this whole Iger is on Trump's team is a narrative that I've never quite understood. But he was on Trump's team. So it's not a false narrative. Okay. Yeah. But his politics would uh, would uh, would hew to that. 
the safer stuff, the more kind of like, uh, you know, like less offensive stuff. The don't challenge my way of thinking stuff. Don't undercut this, my sis, my, uh, uh, political system. Don't undercut my institutions. It's that kind of stuff that leads to an uneducated populace, and that and films. Because someone was saying that, like I was, someone was saying. So yeah, I just want to be clear here for a minute. Yeah. So as Marvel is doubling down on diversity, and Disney Animation is doing strong female characters that aren't traditional romances. Great, and that's all great. But I'm just saying, like, so the guy that's running the giant Disney company yeah. that is pushing diversity and all of the liberal things that we adhere to in Hollywood for the most part. You mean he's you mean he's putting his finger, he's licking his finger and putting it up in the air and realizes, oh, we should do this because this is going to make us money. Great. But if he's not going to also invest in these more gritty, hard edge films that exposed the corruption inherent in some of the political system, which is what that, basically the entire decade of that, the 70s movies is about. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're making I'm a big leap here. I don't know that anybody running Disney should do hard-hitting, gritty stories that unearth the political... Like, that's not the Disney brand. Disney should do family movies. Well, that's not what Fox Searchlight should be. They should have an arm. If Look, if you're going to own 60% of the fucking box office, you need to cater... You need to be able to diversify with your... You have a right. responsibility. Yeah, which, yeah. Right, yeah. which is why I said, as long as they allow movies like... like, like uh, Jojo, what is it? Jojo, Jojo, Rabbit. Jojo, Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit. I was like, Jojo, what is it? Jojo, Bobo Jojo. Like, Jojo what is it? the Monkey Boy. Uh, like, like, <laughs> yeah. If they allow, right? But we'll see how many because that's a Fox property already filmed and and uh, finished. Yeah. I wonder how many they're going to allow to be done, even under a division of their overall company. I wonder. It just makes me concerned. You know, right. one of the one of the films that got uh, got waylaid was the Taika Waititi animated Flash Gordon. Right, that really surprises me that they they would not see the value in that property. That was very surprising. Mm, yeah, to me. Okay. I mean, I mean, there were some films that I that I think got got the axe. I'm like, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, based off of your, off of your slate, like clearly you guys did not have your finger finger on the pulse. Yeah, but Taika Waititi is a very hot filmmaker right now. Yes. Why you wouldn't give him the keys to a property that hasn't been touched what since the 80s? Really, right? I mean, what they did one sci-fi series that did not do well. Yeah. Yeah, shocking. I don't know. That's a good point. All right. Our next uh, topic, which we should talk about for a few minutes, is um, Mike, you want to take it? Uh, the movie The Hunt. Hunt. From Universal and Blumhouse. Hey, oh, speaking of gritty, uh, hard edge films of political yeah. nature, <laughs> uh, has been pulled. Yeah. Has been pulled completely. So, trailer for the movie came out. Um, it is uh, a movie. It's got it's got a it's got a cast of a lot of well known people. Hillary Swank, two time Oscar winners in this movie. Betty Gilpin from Glow, on yeah. Netflix. Melissa uh, Leo, uh, Justin Hartley from This Is Us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so good, 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 nice cast. And it seems to be about uh, a group of people Liberal. that refer to themselves as the elites. Sure, uh, very rich, well off people hunting. "Quote unquote deplorables." Yes, and that was like the thing. So, uh, originally, what happened is after the shootings in the past few weeks uh, in Dayton and El Paso, mm-hmm. they pulled the trailer from television um, because a lot of people were shooting at people with guns and and said they were just pausing on the marketing. Yeah. Um. But then Fox News did a story on I think Fox and Friends did a story about the trailer, <sighs> saying that it was uh you know the liberal Hollywood. Yes. Uh, the brain trust that is Fox and Friends, and and of course, then Trump tweeted about it after that, and then subsequently, Universal has just like pulled the entire movie and said they're not releasing it. Right. right. So, what do you guys? What are you guys' thoughts on this? What do you guys think about it? Have you? We've all seen the trailer. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I guess originally, like it, Damon Lindelof co-wrote yes. scripts, mm-hmm. and originally yeah. it was called Red State versus Blue State. Yes. And if, and they're not. They're not saying that's the case, but yes, that is what it is rumored to have been. Yeah. Um. Watching the trailer, I'm like, this looks like a Blumhouse movie. Like this is this yeah. looks exactly what I would expect from a Blumhouse movie. A sort of cheaply made uh, uh, horror film. Right. That's, that's probably they they lean into the violence, they lean into the gore. Um, as far, I mean, the, one of the articles that I read in the follow up was that Universal was debating pulling it anyways. That they were not confident going in. 
um, which I think could be a little bit of damage control. Of like, course, it's damage I, I don't, control. I don't think you. I don't want to let studios get away with this crap anymore. I'm so tired of it. I don't of course, think, it's damage control. Even for even for a low budget film, I mean, they probably spend upwards of. It, my guess is twenty million dollars. Right. That's still a hefty investment. They read the script. They saw the dailies. They yep. saw the cuts. Uh, they scheduled it for release. They had it set up to be released, and now to go back and say, "Oh, we were going to pull it anyway," is a bunch of horse shit. And it's just like, no, you, you bow to the public pressure. You're just trying to save face. Uh, and but what's scary here is one comment from the president makes you pull a movie. That's scary. That's a. I call that censorship because we're a free market system. We're a capitalist system. So put your movie out. You're allowed to make it. It's a free country. You're allowed to make your movie. If the movie fails, that's the market. The market doesn't want your movie. That's the free market. But for to pull other films because you're afraid of what might happen when there's been no real documented case of a film inspiring anyone to do anything for real other than maybe the John Hinckley situation with Jodie Foster and Taxi Driver. But even that wasn't about necessarily that movie. Well, it was that about was pretty his long obsession. Ago. Right, 1980. So like, if you can name one case where uh, someone was inspired by a movie to go off and do something horrible because they saw the movie, it's really rare. I mean, in light of recent events, delaying the movie, absolutely. Like, <sighs> sure, sure, delay it. Like, I, I, think, I, think there, I think there is a degree of sensitivity. But it's not about a school shooting. But it doesn't matter, though. Well, Dayton and El Paso weren't school shootings. Well, I'm sorry, it's not about shooting, mass shootings or whatever. Well, there's a lot of shooting in that trailer. Sure, there's a lot of shooting in a Transformers movie. There's a lot of shooting in Hobbs and Shaw. They didn't fucking pull that. But I think it's I think it's different because <laughs> right the political but, but that's you inst- but that's you installing that into because actually the deplorables in the movie from what I understand of the movie become the heroes of the movie well, because they fight that, well, back I, against so I, I think there's two different points here and one is the sensitivity around what's happening in our country right now the level of violence in our country yeah the lack of from yeah the lack of anyone doing anything about it of substance yeah does mean that a movie that sort of attacks and not I'm not saying attack in a bad way but that that let me put it this way a movie that takes on the different bubbles that we live in and those people rising to violence against each other you would have to look at that with a bit more scrutiny given what's going on so Why? on the because I just think you should. I just think it's impo- I think it's important to I'm not I, by the way I'm not saying that doesn't mean you shouldn't have the movie come out Right 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 I'm saying that you should just consider the way you handle that movie because you Why? Just should. Because I think you should. I think there's, there's no evidence for it, though. I don't think that there is any evidence. I'm not saying that movies or video games or TV lead right. to any of this. Right. I'm not saying that. And that's what I mean by doing this decision. They've kind of given foundation to that ridiculous argument. But I think also you can look at it from a business, uh, from a business standpoint sure. in that – Maybe right now people don't want to go see a movie like this. Let's let's hold on to it. Let's delay because I I do think that this movie will see the light of day. I think it you will do? release. Oh, it'll, it'll get it'll get really it'll get it like on a, even if it's on a streamer like or something. the interview or something. It'll yeah, be on, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, NBC Universal what? is going to have their streaming site. Yeah. Sure. But what I was going to say is, so when it comes to the level of gun violence in the country right now, I understand the desire to delay or handle carefully what you do with it. I think when it comes to the president and his tweets, I think what's interesting, and I think you kind of hit on this, John, is I think that he misunderstood what the movie was because clearly when you watch that trailer, yeah. the quote-unquote deplorables, the people that are from middle America, the people that are not the rich or the wealthy or the elite are clearly the heroes in this movie. Yeah, The quote-unquote elites, the rich coastal people living in the cities that are hunting people for sport – are clearly the villains. So I think based on the way he tweeted about it, he seemed to think that there was some other commentary happening. And I read a couple articles and a couple tweets where people were like, I think that he just doesn't understand irony and doesn't understand because I do believe that Damon Lindelhoff writing this movie, just given the types of things that Damon Lindelhoff writes, I am sure that the reason this movie got greenlit and the reason that Universal was comfortable spending the money that they spent on this movie is that there probably is some level of satire and social yes. commentary that does say something about our society and where we're at. And it went, and I assume that when we see this movie, it's a Blumhouse movie. I don't think it's going to be Shakespeare, 
But I do assume that we'll be like, oh, yeah, okay, I see what the satire is here. Um, so I do think across the board, people are overreacting to this. Yeah, and that's the frustrating part of it because you look at Fox and Friends and they didn't even see the damn movie. They're going to comment on it just from a log line. And I find that to be irresponsible journalism. First and foremost, wait a minute. Irresponsible. Wait a minute. I want to be clear about this. Are you saying that Fox and Friends is irresponsible journalism? Yeah, and, and listen, I want to be fair to the people who are listening to us who are, you know, maybe from the red states or who are more conservative. I'm not bashing the conservative point of view at all. What I am bashing is the ignorant representatives of some of that point of view having a mic in front of their mouths and being able to, con- in essence, uh, influence a president who hasn't even looked at it, uh, d- didn't command a screening in the White House so he could come out and talk about it knowledgeably to influence the uh, shutting down of a movie. I found that, especially a president who's been cited by a few of these recent shooters as an inspiration. I found that to be incredibly ironic on so many levels and irresponsible as well. You know, I get that you want clicks, but people worked hard on this film. People put their money in this film. There's like it could have found some kind of small audience and made a little bit of money for the makers of the film, for the actors in the film. Uh, and you just shut it down because you just feel like it. And I think that's I think that's dangerous because I think that's a, that's a light form of censorship. And I get your point, Mike. Of course, you have to be you have to take the temperature of the country. But look, I heard, I've been hearing that bullshit since do the right thing. And Malcolm X, people, people had police officers in theaters because they were afraid do the right thing was going to cause race wars or Malcolm X was going to cause race wars. This idea that we are somehow a snowflake society is a bunch of bullshit. We have been through so much. Lord God, even the last three years, we've been through so much and survived it. And so and keep going and keep moving forward. And there's not massive fights in movie theaters about shit like this. And so that's the that's what's frustrating when you do something like this. You're essentially giving uh, credibility to that narrative and that narrative does not exist. I think that's true. I think I think that is I think that is an accurate statement. I think that I'm exhausted. I'm sorry. I know you really. I, I, you, it's getting it's getting hot in here. You're sweating. You're sweating up a storm. And I apologize to your parents who are listening and very mad at me right now. But go ahead. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, I um I I think you are correct that um look at at the best of our movies and art and storytelling. We should be reflecting what's happening in society. We should be commenting yes. on it. We should be talking about it. And sometimes that's telling a really great escapist story like Disney does. And sometimes, to your point, that's getting down and dirty and gritty. Yeah. And I do think that it is true that there is no research anywhere that says there's any correlation between what we as a society view in movies, television, video games, anything that has anything to do with spikes or rises in violence. Yeah. So I think that is all 100% accurate. So I think that you are correct that them pulling back on this does lend credence to – a makes it feel as if we are uh, agreeing to those to that, to that idea. Yeah. And I think that that is problematic. Um, I do think maybe like delaying this right now until things cool down is a smart idea. And I do think we will get to see it. And by the way, we might see it and be like, God, that was fucking dumb. Yes. I have like no, that was, that yeah. was dumb. I have no doubt. Universal, universal should have known better and it's horrible. Or we might be like, Oh, that was pretty clever. So we'll see. Yeah. I bet you that we're going to see this before we see a snake eyes. movie. <laughs> That's what they call bringing it around. That's a call back, son. Uh, Any last words, Shannon, on this? No, no. Uh, Well, you know what? Um, There is a show on uh, on Showtime that has finished its run. I believe it was a seven episode, seven eight episode run called The Loudest Voice. Okay, um, that is based off of a book and based off some. uh, I believe it's New York Magazine or New York Times articles, Um, but is essentially about Roger Ailes and the creation of Fox News. Mm -hmm. Now, I didn't know a ton about this, and obviously, it's being told from a certain perspective. Sure, but what a fascinating and interesting series! And if you have Showtime, uh, if you feel like trying to get like a free preview. Watch it. It's really, it's very, uh, very interesting. Yeah. And no one saw it and tried to take over a network. Right. Okay. I just want to make sure that's good. <laughs> <laughs> and for our female listeners, uh, I will clarify that certainly, uh, 
films and TV have influenced how men have treated women over the years and many decades for sure. So there is influence in that way, I think. But I don't think in the shooting violence way, there isn't that kind of influence. So I want to make sure that's clear. I'm speaking specifically about shootings and that kind of stuff. Well, I mean, like I said, I think And also that, treatment of uh, gays and people of color. I think that, yeah, 100%. I think that yeah. entertainment and storytelling, um, when told from certain perspectives over the course of time, and there are certain people and certain uh, genders and yeah. certain races that have been able to tell more of their stories over time. Right. And those get told from a certain perspective, and those do shape a narrative about our society. And thankfully, we're at a time right now where other voices are being able to tell their stories, yeah. and we're starting to see that in television and in film. And I do think that's important. And so I do think that the stories that we tell do shape our society and the way we view our society. I do think that when it gets to issues of the way we treat each other, whether that be... Uh, to your point, mm. the way the way men and women treat each other, the way different sexualities, different sexual orientations, different races treat each other. I think movies do reflect that and can always do it's that's something we always should like and do better. Yeah. Again, n- no research says any of that is true when it comes to violence. Right. So. Right, right. That's the point there. All right. Well, that's a good place, I think, to end the geek buddies. What do you guys think? I think it's great. That sounds fantastic. Agreed. All right. Well, this has been our episode, our latest episode of the Geeks. I want to thank everybody for listening and all the comments and the tweets you guys send us. It's really uh, great. Mike, what do you want to say? Uh, I want to say that uh, we love you guys. You guys are the best. Thanks for listening. Uh, and we want you to get other people to listen so that we can love them too. Because we're just all about love. It's like we've been in a coma for 35 years, <laughs> and we're reliving Christmas day in and day out, and we just want more people to come over on Christmas morning and spend time with us. So go. go leave us some reviews. Go give us some stars. Go give us some comments. Get other people to find us. Help us rise up in the ranks. And then let's all have a coma Christmas together. Wow. You took us on the scenic route, but you got us <laughs> <laughs> and if you would like to follow us on social media on Instagram it's at the underscore geek underscore buddies on Twitter at geek underscore buddies if you would like to follow me on Twitter at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at uh, Shannon the geek buddy and if you go to my Facebook fan page facebook.com slash Shannon McClung fan page and give it a like my representation would be oh so happy and when I'm able to announce what show I worked on that's where I will do it first there you go I love it um, I am at MK Tune on Twitter and Instagram if you follow me if you leave me comments my representation won't care because I don't have any but I will sure like it <laughs> <laughs> and you all know where to find me at the Roca says on Twitter and on Instagram uh, thanks again for downloading this episode listening to it, please retweet the episode get your uh, the people who follow you interested in becoming Geek Buddies or fans of the Geek Buddies and followers and listeners of the Geek Buddies, we got to grow this thing more and more every week, and we can't do it without your help. So please uh, do that. And especially those of you who listen to us who have a strong following, have a big following, or a blue check mark, you'd be surprised how much retweeting an episode of ours can get out to more Twitter accounts or more people's attention if you do that. So that's how we're going to grow. Um, any last words? Uh, yep. Sounds good. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Geek Buddies. Hey! One thing. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. 
So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.